Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, you know, you can just do stuff. Like, you don't need anybody's permission or anything. You just you, you just kind of come up with weird stuff you want to go do. You can just go do it. Okay. Go be weird. Okay, bye. Hey, fun fans, it's We Enjoy. Go Tootsie, go Tootsie, go. Go Tootsie, go Tootsie, go. Tootsie, Tootsie, rap, Tootsie. <laughs> uh, but they... not the hit song from that movie. The legit hit song from that movie is not the title track. It's not that <laughs> title track, but the title track does say Go Tootsie, go. Um, right. <laughs> it's also not like Go Speed Racer, go. I had never seen Tootsie, but Tootsie is in our main event today. I've watched it now. We're going to talk about it as we do um what are we doing like six six episodes i did we even tell people six weeks i think we might have mentioned six weeks of 82 yeah six weeks of 1982 going back 40 years 1982 doing some big movies but maybe not the biggest movies you know uh not 18 not blade runner not things that we might put into other different movie binges you're you're mentioning uh blade runner i mean et of course was the biggest movie of all time when it came out blade runner didn't do so hot Tootsie, number two movie of 82 after E.T. I will I'm saying I'm not saying like biggest like box office boffo buff. No, I I'm know, saying I know. biggest in our hearts. No, um, I know. I, I'm more I'm more mentioning the fact that people, you know, especially people who, you know, if you're younger and listening to this podcast in 2022, might not guess that Tootsie was the second biggest movie of Tootsie, 1982. Tootsie was a huge buff. And this is something even though I didn't see Tootsie, I knew Tootsie was a huge hit uh, financially and also uh at the Oscars, like it didn't yeah. win, it didn't clean sweep, but it Jessica Lang won, and we'll talk about it later. Jessica yeah. Lang won, it got nominated for a shit ton of Oscars and awards, yeah. Uh, so and yeah, not just Oscars, but awards all over the place. So, we're going to talk about that movie in our main event today, and then later, right before that, I'll give you my pick for next week's uh, um, 1982 main event. But uh, yeah, let's get into uh, a little bit of news here. Going to try to rush through this episode a little bit. And I know the joke is I say that and then we don't, but I really will try. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the discipline here, the end goal is to maybe tighten up these episodes in general because running 90 minutes to two hours uh, in the podcast game isn't wise, but eh, whatever, we talk a lot. Um, I mean, look, Matt, you're talking to someone who's been listening to uh, Rob has a podcast, the Survivor podcast, where he just posted a five hour, 45 minute interview with the winner of this season, Survivor. And I'm listening to it bit by bit. So. 
uh, bit by bit. Uh, great song from the Fletch soundtrack. Theme to Fletch. Go. I'm going to say I'm going to start just because you mentioned Survivor. I'm going to start off with an actual our we only got one message this week. Uh, this actually came to us via email. So you can write into us at we enjoy podcast at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter or Patreon. If you're a Patreon subscriber, that's four dollars a month. We'll get you commercial free episodes plus our bonus episodes uh, to be fair, we, we didn't give people a lot of a lot of time to send a message this time because we we went we went up late last week and we're doing this one early so. i know short window short window we're also yeah. doing this one tuesday night instead of wednesday but uh so kermit wrote in basically said uh hey Matitude eric actually i didn't say that so kermit thanks for the segue uh we are the Matitude eric i am matt fowler yeah. say hello eric goldman hello everybody and uh, Kermit writes, hey, Mattitude Eric, I'll try to make this quick. Uh, that's what I just said about this podcast, Kermit. Uh, I'll try to make this quick. Loving the Jurassic Park franchise recap. So many great memories. This is strictly for Eric. What an amazing season of Survivor we got. Um, that's just all he has to say. That's not a question. Uh, and Kermit, say I agree. It was a great season of Survivor. As I, yeah, uh, just a really standout season with a great cast. And again, I made it my good thing to enjoy last week because if you have ever been Survivor inclined, uh, it's a really strong season. Uh, 42, I recommend it. Yeah, I've never leaned Survivor sexual, but I don't know. Maybe one day I'll break down and I'll I'll, I'll test out one of these Survivor seasons that you've recommended. <laughs> I'm just not one for the re- reality competition game. Um, but uh, then Kermit continues, don't know if you guys take recommendations recommendations on what to enjoy, but the Guardians of Galaxy ride at Disney World is a blast. Warning may cause a little motion sickness. Now, Kermit, I'm assuming because you said Disney World, you're talking about the coaster. The new one, yeah. Yeah, uh, which I, which Eric has ridden. I have not, but I did ride Mission Breakout, which is the reskinned Tower of Terror at Disneyland, or I should say California Adventure. But yeah, uh, did it cause you motion sickness, Eric? No, not at all. But I know he's not alone in mentioning that. Uh, I rode that ride um, nine times, I think, in a day uh, at the press event. Uh, you can read my article at phantom.com about it. Uh, Disney World's Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind links Marvel and Epcot lore is the headline. Uh, no, I loved it. I think it's a great ride. It's really fun. Uh, Your headline is ride it eight times, not nine. <laughs> eight times will give you motion sickness. No, nine times fixes it. Um, no, I, I thought it was really fun. And I have heard some people get motion sickness. It didn't for me. I thought it was smooth and steady, uh, but really fun ride. Then Kermit has a wrestling question. Mm-hmm. Who defeats Roman Reigns? I don't see anyone doing that anytime. So <laughs> who do they build up to do it? Uh, great question. I think WWE doesn't even know because the roster is really shallow right now. Yeah. Uh, my quick answer uh, before a few days ago would have been Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam, but uh, that's probably on hold at this point, but I still think it's Cody Rhodes, uh, even though they just turned Edge babyface. But yeah, Drew McIntyre, Cody Rhodes, or Edge uh, are my picks for now. I say Cody because even though he's going to be gone for a few months, they're not taking an offer of him anytime soon, probably. So yeah, it, it could even hold. It could hold a WrestleMania again, even though I think that would yep. be kind of boring. Uh, but I also feel like. <laughs> Cody says he's going to be in Money in the Bank. So as long as he has that contract, he can do it whenever he wants. Um, okay. And then uh, Kermit just closes it out with knee lift, Shakma, dog calls, and all the Chucky farts. Kermit, not the one running for Congress. Is someone running for Congress named Kermit Eric? 
I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna Kermit's take Kermit's words for it. Yeah. Yeah. Kermit, take, Kermit. <laughs> Kermit is probably aware of all the other famous Kermits that are doing things, uh, where I as I'm not. Um, so uh, we've. I think we talked about this movie before on the podcast, but the trailer officially came out today, which is Prey, which is a fun trailer to send to somebody who is unaware. And this this is probably a lot of people because it's on going to be on Hulu and it hasn't gotten a lot of hype was unaware that there was a new predator movie coming out at all. And the trailer plays great because you could send it to someone and say, Hey, watch this. It looks really cool. And then you don't know it's a predator movie till halfway through the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, or uh, you show it to your wife and about halfway through, she goes, is this? <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> so I sent it to someone who I knew would be really psyched and they were. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, it looks really great. Uh, we Amber Mid Thunder is in it, and it takes place 300 years ago. And it, even though it's 300 years ago, it brings back what we kind of loved about the first movie. Even though there's not machine guns and Gatling guns and Jesse Ventura spitting tobacco, uh, it's just a predator and a the hero in a forest, uh, which is something that we love. I know pr- predators had a forest planet too, but it. I, I, did I see that movie? Um, I'm asking you, like you would know. <laughs> I don't know if he I'm asking did. the universe, really, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, by the way, uh, so it's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who has a short resume, but one I really like because I love 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is only other feature film. And he directed the pilot to the boys, which is a show I love. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched on this. I was already excited just on paper with the director, the lead actress, and the concept which is something the comic books have done a lot, like these kind of like set in different eras, but the movies have not. And then this trailer came out today and it looked freaking awesome. And I watched it a bunch of times. Uh, I am laughing because I'm glancing at Dan Trachtenberg's uh, Wikipedia page, which has the strangest personal life listing I've seen, which is personal life. Trachtenberg had a bar mitzvah, married Priscilla Trachtenberg. He is not related to actress Michelle Trachtenberg. Like his personal life has a non-fact about him. which I, I guess it's just such a huge misconception. Right. Um, as people were also, all, everyone was going around saying he did not have a bar mitzvah. So they had to yes. clarify that. Uh, and well, by the way, it does. The, the, the footnote on that is him tweeting, LOL, no. When someone asked him if he was re- related to Michelle Trachtenberg <laughs> in 2012. Yeah, so but al- also he could be lying. Like, that's just a prank he's playing on his sister. Oh, um, Trachtenberg also went on record saying that there were some God of War homages uh, from the video game in the movie, which also you can see in the trailer. One is the shield that you see briefly that appears out of nowhere as interlocking metal parts, because that's how Kratos's uh, shield works. And also the way that Naru, I, uh, I assume is the character played by Amber Midthunder, holds her axe. So. Uh, if you say so. Uh, I do. I didn't say so. Uh, (laughs) Brother of Michelle Trachtenberg said so. That's right. (laughs) All right. uh, Now let's talk about uh, Nev Campbell not being in the next Scream movie, which is something we sort of posited. uh, We posited, but not. But we didn't know that it actually become like a little controversial story. We didn't know that we would manifest it ourselves. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. uh, which is something again that we were both totally fine with because there are enough surviving people plus Kirby coming back for this next movie that uh, makes it really cool and can sort of stand on its own. Also Courtney Cox, right? So. Yep. Yep. Uh, But the story here, what made it a story is not that 
she's not in the next movie, which I assume to be like, oh, they just decided to not write her into the script for this, which I could see them deciding to do. Like, be like, oh, Sydney doesn't need to be in this movie. She can come back some other time if they want. Instead, it turns out they wanted her to be in this movie and she has put out a statement saying she's not going to be in it because she thought the offer was too low. Um, ah. And so that, you know, now it's kind of like a controversy thing about like, you know, you know, why were they underpaying her? Were they underpaying her? Uh, it, you know, look, who knows the specifics here? I will speculate wildly that I would guess, you know, it would still have been a small part. Uh, would it have been a single scene small part? Would it have been a small part like the fifth one? I don't know. Um I'm guessing either way they could do this movie without her. And this is not by, I love Nev Campbell as Sydney. Uh, and I also think even when I was saying, I don't need her to be in the stream six, I was saying that thinking one day she'll play Sydney again, because that's how it works. And I never thought she would like not be back. And that's what I think still, I think either they'll work it out because Paramount will be like getting bad press and decide to work it out. Or she's not in this one, but they still have her come back in the next one. Uh, but it is interesting. This became uh, a little pay bit. Pay Sydney of a, what she's worth. Pay her the Prescott bucks. I feel pay her like the Prescott bucks. Uh, it, it's yeah. also that balance, and we went through this just with the sequel trilogy for Star Wars, which is like you want to. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Make room for the new cast and pass the torch. Yes. And yet you also want to honor the legacy characters. And you also like have that thing where it's like what Scream might do because so far the track record is uh, reflexive is that like one giant legacy character of the trio dies each movie. Uh, but then also, does that work with balancing the new cast? Does that really give them what they like by, I don't know, like how do you service the new and really like let them be their own while you still have these older characters? And I don't know. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to have them come in on the adventure. It's another thing. It's like you just go and talk to them and they say, oh, yeah, this is my advice. It's another thing to have them come in and actually be an active part of the violent third act. So, um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I look forward to what they do without Sydney more than I look forward to what they do with Sydney uh, until it's actually the, the final screen movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the character. I want her to come back at some point. I think they could, I already thought, as we discussed last time, that they could do this movie without her. Um, it, it's a shame that it's like a bad blood situation at the moment, but I think they'll work it out. It is funny, though, because who the hell knows? Like, you know, uh, there was all that stuff with John DiMaggio not coming back for Futurama because they, he felt like they weren't paying him enough money. Which, you know, again, because like all the But then he's coming back and he's not getting more money. He's not coming back. He's not getting more money. He, he's like, I did decide to come back and get the same amount as everyone else. Because what I wonder, I mean, frankly, I can't help but wonder. Courtney Cox is coming back. Did they offer her the same amount? And she said, that's cool. Or did they say they were they offering her more because she could, you know, she is a bigger star outside of Scream than Nev Campbell is because she got the friends stardom. I don't know. Uh, but it is interesting uh, when this stuff gets public. You never know if it'll resolve or not. You know, quickly. We'll we'll see what happens, man. So no one told you that life was going to be this way. No, contract negotiations would be complicated. You love Why life's is- DOA. 
I'm glancing at Twitter and I don't even want to know why I see uh, trending Kid Rock trending with hashtag Predator. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I last time I saw Kid Rock is like he had some drunken rant against Oprah Winfrey, but um, maybe that's it. Maybe he's like, I'm gonna, I wanted to be in a Predator movie. I don't know. He's ridiculous and no one should talk about him. Um, I just so let's talk about uh, Predator, yeah. let's talk about um, the Kid Rock of the DC Universe, the Joker. Uh, Joker 2 is officially a, a go. Not that we had any doubts, but it was announced that a script is, is uh, set and it has a title, which is, man, I wrote it down and now I forget it. But I, I should remember it because we actually brought it up, actually brought this uh, term up during our Killer Couples marathon so it's oh, called did? yeah uh joker folia do and that means madness of two and that is something that i the sort of the psychological phenomenon that i brought up um uh, i don't know which movie but it kind of applied to most of the movies we did during that um binge but yeah it's sort of like uh, a a shared delusion that of a, a pair sometimes they're they're the siblings sometimes they're lovers sometimes they're just really close that feed off each other and like um they're dangerous together and like if you separate them their delusions and their their uh, sort of uh um mental unbalance subsides but once you put them together and they're sort of toxic and, and crazy and so a lot of people obviously speculating that this means harley quinn does it mean Harley Quinn? Does it mean some sort of different protege character or some different partner character? Uh, yeah, we'll see. It's funny that he said there was no doubt. I mean, Joker was a giant, massive hit. And I, at the end of the day, that's what talks. It is just funny when Joker was first being made, they were like, this is so standalone. And they acted like there was no sequel talk. And then as it was getting closer, that's when we started to hear, oh, well, we'll see. And then the movie makes a billion dollars. And then it's like, oh, maybe yeah. you could do another one. And, yeah. and now there's a picture of Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. Uh, so. And he's like, hate it. Not doing it. <laughs> I'm out. Get yourself a new Joker. <laughs> and Dev Campbell steps in. <laughs> and she's like, I'm the Joker. Pay me money. Um, <laughs> so then you wrote here under news, WB still wants a Feige. Well, first of all, who wouldn't want a Feige? Um, yeah, yeah. That, comes with all the these thing. big it's ideas. Like, He's we got we hear hats. this once a year. <laughs> yeah, I know. First of all, uh, I'll let you take this away, but I will. I don't think I'm the only one who feels this. Is that WB had a Feige, and his name was Greg Berlanti, um, and this was sort of the closest and most successful Feige they had as far as a shared DC universe. Right, right. Who's still doing shows for them? Yeah, the Arrowverse isn't HBO dead. Max. Yeah, it's and, well, like, but also he's got the Green Lantern show for uh, HBO, yeah, HBO Max. Max. That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. Um, but uh, no, this you know, look, there's a you know, <laughs> WB changes turnovers are commonplace. There, it's happening again because now they just did the merger with Discovery, and they've got a new head, uh, David Zavslov, and he's putting in new people to run the movie division. Um, including Michael DeLuca is one of the people co-running it. He used to be at New Line for many years, but, and wrote Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. But um, yeah, there's just this report about like, you know, once again, they, you know, a priority, and we always hear this is DC and getting it, you know, something more cohesive, getting a new plan. It's always weird though, because it's like, they've had some huge hits and they've had some failures. Uh, but certainly, I mean, with Joker, we just mentioned Joker and Aquaman making well, a billion Well, their biggest hits were solo movies, right? As far yeah. as like, Aquaman, yeah, there was a connection to Avengers, but it was his story. To and Avengers, then, Matt. Shock. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. 
who gives a fuck? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> you don't know what the fuck you're talking. Wonder about. <laughs> Woman and Aquaman and the Batman and Joker, like yeah. uh, some were completely separate, and others were tethered to Justice League, but they were just doing their own thing. And those were the biggest ones. And Shazam, you know, was also mm-hmm. a hit, um, mm-hmm. and didn't even show Henry Cavill's face, or did they? I don't remember. No, did they I see did. that they, movie? I, just I, I don't know if you saw movies. Henry Cavill did, was not in it. <laughs> I did see Shazam. <laughs> um, isn't the ending where you see his torso? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it wasn't. It was wasn't Cavill. It was just no, somebody. No. It was not Cavill. It was it was somebody. It was Henry um, yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Um, you know, and then yes, you know, uh, 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 Birds of Prey underperformed. Wonder Woman eighty four. Who can even say? Because no, no matter what you think of that movie, it opened like like early pand I, I it was impossible to see in a theater i mean it, it theatrically did release simultaneous with hbo max yeah but it was not even a possibility for me to see that movie in a theater yeah um nobody so that, was going think- out at that point uh that was a crazy movie eric <laughs> um yes and then the, unfortunately the suicide squad was a theatrical bomb even though it begat peacemaker which is a very well-received show that's been renewed for season two uh all that being said i still think that they've you know had a lot of success in recent years and seen Seems much more in a better place than they did say six years ago. Who knows? But yeah, once again, the talk of like wanting a Feige, wanting more cohesion, and the weirdest thing that came up, and this was like six days ago before Todd Phillips was like, "We're going forward on Joker 2, um, was them saying that Todd Phillips is someone that Zaslav had thought about, even which makes no sense. Not because look, I thought Joker was fine, but Todd Phillips has like no background with comic book stuff. Like that was his whole thing with doing Joker is like, I don't want to be connected to all this other yeah, stuff. And Joker is a very non comic book movie. Yes. So even the idea that they would even be like, Ooh, he should be involved in our bigger DC plans. Yeah. We want it all to feel like late seventies Scorsese. We it's like, um, if only all our superhero movies could be mean streets. This was Hollywood reporter. They say sources say he has asked Todd Phillips to do more in the DC universe, potentially acting as an advisor. So he will not serve in an executive capacity. So it wasn't like it wasn't like they wanted him to be the Feige, but they wanted him to be, advise the Feige. Anyway, that was weird. Um, I don't have much to weird. say here except that they're always. This is just a constant thing. Um, I think that it's a little bit overstated right now because they've had plenty of success uh, in recent years, uh, even factoring in stuff that didn't hit. So there you know who'd be great in Justice League? Tootsie. Uh, by the way, uh, still very upset. Uh, I only watched the movie yesterday uh, that her name, his name, uh, not Tootsie, uh, which is something that someone like me who never seen the movie says the name Tootsie. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we, 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 would Tootsie be like his Shazam? It's uh, like, like Tootsie. <laughs> um, Transform. All right, let's get into. Oh, I already read the one piece of mail, so. Um, hey. We can just get into our good things to enjoy. Sure. Uh, before we do, let me talk about what the movie is for next week. Mm. Uh, I have decided to go back to 1982 and find movies I saw in the theater that scared the shit out of Little Me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if we were doing that, I would pick Poltergeist, except that one day we might do that as a franchise. So <laughs> we're not doing uh, that. <laughs> Poltergeist doesn't quite theme because I didn't see that ever in the oh, theater really i saw in the theater uh, that was a rental definitely scared the shit out of me yeah yeah it scared the shit out of me as a rental uh sure. but yeah didn't see it in the theater i was only seeing my parents didn't give a shit what they took peaches so. my, my mom <laughs> cared too much <laughs> <laughs> sure sure uh mine is the secret and i man do i even know this is how you pronounce it uh, secret of nim yeah, um, yeah that's how i always said a it. uh 
you know, back in the 80s, uh, animation was in a bit of a slump. So not everything was Disney. And uh, there were some other companies making movies. And this was Don Bluth's first directorial debut. Um, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As an animated film uh, director, uh, he went on to also do, you know, uh, the American Tale, Land Before Time, and some other things. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this was Secret of Nim, uh, a dark-ass movie um, that when they were making sort of like grim, uh, you know, the kids' movies, these were kids' movies. There was no PG-13, though, yet at this point. So there was always this weird sort of um, disturbing gray area in movies <laughs> that we watched as kids that were aimed at us uh, because the this was PG, or was it G? I don't even know. I'm assuming it was PG. Uh, but yeah, that's a pick for next week, and you can watch it on. It's a it's a tight eighty minutes. I don't know. It's a quick movie. Sure. Um, and it was a G, see- by the way, because I remember this was when pretty much all animated movies, unless they were like Bakshi or something, were G. Like Disney never had a PG movie until you know twenty years ago or something. So yeah, and it's funny because we talk about how the nineties were huge animated in, in uh, something like. Um, Lion King and then especially Aladdin is when we got into actually sort of not casting voice actors as much mm-hmm. anymore and casting celebrities, you know, to uh, in mm-hmm. their movies. Robin Williams was a big part of that. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. But that wasn't the first movie to do that. So let me give you let me give you a rundown of this great uh, cast. Dom DeLuise, Eric, I know, uh, Derek I Jacoby. Uh, Peter Strauss, uh, so Will Wheaton, little Will Wheaton. Yeah, well, people before uh, they were stars, like a, Will Shannon, a little Shannon Doherty. Yeah, yeah, these are the kids. Um, but yeah, they, there wasn't <laughs> the celebrities who were did uh, animated voices back in the early '80s were like not celebrities that kids would care about. They were just sort of picked for their. Um, uh, I don't know. I wasn't being. I wasn't sitting in the theater like, holy shit, that's Tom DeLuise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't <laughs> i i do that now uh sure. but anyway you can watch this on tubi with ads or hoopla or roku with ads or canopy however that works is that the library one i think it is yes. or you can rent it i will i am going to watch it on tubi with ads personally in case you wanted to know how i was everyone to... make your own decision <laughs> yeah i'm saying like you make your own choice here uh, but yeah, that's my pick for next week. So let's get into our good things to enjoy this week. Eric, you start off because uh, you are not the only one I have seen tweet about this movie. Uh, yes, because this movie changes your life. <laughs> so uh, 
I can't recommend this enough. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, I might have to change my pick now just because R R R is my recommendation. I believe that's how you say it. I don't think you say triple R. I think you're just saying R. And also, you don't go R R R Which right up front, I want to say the thing about this movie is it is on Netflix. So you can choose to watch it on Netflix and that'll be a much simpler way for you to watch it. However, if you were able to see it in the theater, and this is not my bullshit snooty of the theatrical experience. This is my like, guys, you want to have fun? <laughs> Get your ass to a theater showing this. And it is playing limited theater. I saw in, in LA, it was playing in one theater this week. But now it's going to be at our Alamo again. It keeps coming back because it's a thing. It's becoming like a Rocky Horror, like a thing, you know, like a cult thing. Um, so that's what I'm going to say is like, look if it's playing anywhere near you. And if it's not right now, see if it's going to be playing coming this weekend near you just in case. Because if you can see this the- movie in a theater, guys, with a bunch of people, I recommend the hell of it. And I bring friends. You'll just have a grand old time. Bring your own people. I almost don't want to say too much about it, but I do have to put a caveat because everything I'm saying about this movie is counterintuitive because I'm saying it's on Netflix where you can watch it easily, but don't watch it that way. And then I'm going to throw you the curveball if you don't know anything about it saying, oh, it's three hours and it's subtitled, which I also know are like giant red flags for people. Yeah, because it's Indian, right? It's an Indian movie. Here's the thing. It is the most fucking fun time I've had in a theater in ages. And uh, it is a blast. It is so enjoyable. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say too much about the plot, but I'll say it's an action movie. Um, but there is some musical elements to it once in a while. Uh, but first and foremost, it's an action movie. Uh, it is insane in all the great ways. It is hard on sleeve in all the great ways. It is just a blast and a ride. And when I went to see it uh, with the oft-mentioned Brent Simons uh, and his wife, Benita, we went to see it the other night and we, it was sold out in a t- small theater, the only theater play in LA. And a bunch of like young dudes came in right before the movie. And I was like, oh shit. Because they all were the young la- dudes? All the young dudes. They were loud and rowdy and they clearly were going to be loud and rowdy during the movie and i was like oh no but then it was also clear they'd seen the movie already because they were oh. like oh, this is gonna this is so good and they were like raving to some people they brought with them and all and then the movie began and i got it because this movie makes you get loud everyone was yelling everyone is you know cheering uh everyone was just like you know it is a movie that demands you start cheering and yelling and whooping uh anyway i I see obviously a primarily indian cast but also ray stevenson is in there ray stevenson is in it and so is allison duty yeah from from indiana jones and the last crusade they play the villains Uh, and uh ray stevenson i was like oh shit i didn't know he was in this and then i didn't recognize allison duty and looked up afterwards like oh shit okay from last crusade um so there is you know parts of the movie that are in english with their characters and one of the main characters who speaks english um but uh yeah most of it's subtitled uh, but it's all wonderful and amazing. And I seriously, I know it's like, I'm like, guys, everyone go to a three hour subtitle movie. It is the opposite of what you expect the three hour subtitle movie to be. Uh, it is just like, you will like, it just, it feels like you're watching like Endgame opening night because it elicits you start cheering and like going crazy. Even if you're not familiar with these very famous actors in India, 
um, who uh, star in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I, that's kind of all I want to say about it because I just want people all to right. watch it. And uh, if you're just a if, reminder if you to say, everyone that that Secret of Nim is eighty minutes. <laughs> right, right. You can watch Secret of Nim a couple times. You can watch um, it like four if times. You're like Eric. I looked it up. It's nowhere near me. I want to watch it. I'll just say just. If you have a ex- access to a big TV and if you can get some friends, if you can get a group with you to watch this movie, even if it's on Netflix, I would recommend. Jesus, I don't it, think if you, I watch it alone, is it going to kill me? <laughs> if you watch Do I it need alone, people around me to it's watching the ring. No, energy? I just it's just a communal. It just it brings people together. Matt, we're all in the bathroom. There's an intermission where they have a counter a, a countdown clock telling you it says interval, but there's three R's in interval and it starts at seven minutes and we all ran to the bathroom and we're all in the bathroom. Everyone's just like talking and talking and up. peeing and shit. <laughs> we're, we're, we're peeing and we're talking about what a great experience we're having. So uh, this is a communal experience movie. RRR, highly recommend. All I knew was on Twitter, people were raving about it. Now I've seen it and I've, I've seen the light. So there you go. Well, fuck me. My movie didn't change my life. <laughs> that sucks. Um, my, my movie is one perfectly you're perfectly fine watching alone and via streaming on a tiny tiny uh, like on your phone possible. Yeah. You can, you yeah. watch it at the shell gas station on the TV screen that pops up <laughs> when you start pumping gas please do uh, actually I think the only way you can kind of see mine I didn't actually I didn't check on just watch but it's on shutter so I okay. don't know if it's a shutter exclusive this is a horror comedy and it's called Vicious Fun, and it's about a hundred minutes long. Okay, <laughs> and it is a. Um, uh, I'll just be very quick here. I'll say this: the first few minutes of this movie, I was like, "Ugh!" Like because of the lead character, but that was the point. The point was is they took this sort of insufferable character, and they turn it on its head a little bit. He's pining. He's like in love with his his uh, female roommate, and no one likes him, and so he's a very like. Uh, and he's like an insufferable, like he's an actual film critic in an old, like sort of horror zine magazine called Vicious Fanatics. And basically he winds up uh, accidentally crashing a support group, secret support group for serial killers. Mm. And it's a fun concept, viciously fun. And the act, it doesn't have anyone super famous in it. David Koechner, uh, old SNL alum, is in it, as well oh, as... Anchorman is how most people would know him. Uh, Robert Millate, who people and might know office. from WWF slash WWE as part of the uh, oddities. He was Kurgan, but he's also been in Deadpool 2 and Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff, a big French dude. And um, uh, the guy who plays Death on Supernatural, whose name I don't remember. No. But also Ari Millen from Orphan Black. Ari Millen from Orphan Black has a big role in this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the lead is Evan Marsh, though. And he is actually, <laughs> he he annoyed me for about two minutes. And then he got, he became very funny. <laughs> so okay. uh, I enjoyed this movie. It sort of, uh, I, I won't say too much about it, but yeah, it sort of spirals from there as he tries to sort of A, fit in with this group because he doesn't know what he's walked into. And B, when he's found out, like everything just sort of goes crazy and like, each of the serial killers is like kind of a type. There's a Jason type and there's a, uh, uh, I think you mentioned Ari Millen plays almost sort of like a um, American psycho Patrick Bateman type. Mm, um, so yeah, it's really fun. It's actually a recent movie from just uh, 2020 and uh, very sort of low budget 
uh, Canadian film that uh, I really dug. I thought it was funny. Did it change my life? It fucking didn't. But uh, <laughs> I think it's okay. It's if okay. RRR isn't playing anywhere near you, and you don't want to have a life changing experience via Netflix. I and you have Shutter. A lot of variables here. Uh, I recommend Vicious Fun. This, this segment is called "A Good Thing to Enjoy, Not a Good Thing to Change Your Life." I just happened to you. You, you changed the script on me. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, I mean it is also RR is also enjoyable, <laughs> but uh, no, Vicious Fun sounds very up my alley as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you're Eric, if you're bouncing around Shutter and you're like, "Hey, I'll check this out," I, I um, do bounce around Shutter. I just watched Terror Train on Shutter a couple weeks ago. Uh, good, good for you. I'm very yes. happy you did that. Uh, I don't know what that is. So oh, it's uh it's a uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis. It's one of oh her, the original, the old yeah. the old movie. Okay, I thought it was for some reason I I was talking about a new movie, so I thought that was new too. Yeah, there. Okay, uh, let's t- get into Tootsie. Uh, I forget, I forget, Eric. Had you seen Tootsie? Yes, I remember my parents. My parents would take me to everything when I was a little kid, regardless of. Uh, that's not a word, but yeah, regardless. Let's, let's talk right. about uh, poltergeist. Yeah, regardless of whether I would like it or care about it, or it was appropriate. Although I guess maybe they were either in tune with what I was going to be or just understood, or it helped shape the fact that I liked movies. So I actually didn't dislike almost any of these things, but, but yes, i my parents took me to Tootsie. I remember that. And then maybe that's the only time I saw it in its entirety, but I definitely remember watching parts of it on cable many several times after that but there were also parts of this movie i didn't remember at all i didn't remember the whole like going to charles durning's like farmhouse part of the movie um i remembered very well uh the the end of the movie his big reveal scene going to I charles think, durning's farmhouse sounds like a weird like <laughs> euphemism for something else i don't know like, i feel maybe it is i feel like um I would see the end of the movie on cable a lot like before something else because i felt like i've watched that big reveal many times uh, but yes. So oh, you my, mean like when he reveals himself on the soap? Yes, yes. So my my bi- my long answer is that is I've definitely seen this movie once in its entirety and probably a couple other times. Yeah. Uh, never seen it. Knew about it. Not enough to not know that the main character was not named Tootsie. Sure. Uh, sure. Still <laughs> aggravates me. Still aggravates me. Uh, <laughs> actually named uh, either uh, Dorothy or Dottie, which is... Um, what my great aunt's name was. My, I had a great aunt named Dottie or Michael Dorsey, out of work actor, played by Dustin Hoffman. Um, directed by Sidney Pollack, uh, the late Sidney Pollack, who uh, I've seen him act in movies more than I've seen his movies. And he has, he does have a really impressive filmography as a director. Yes. Sometimes acting, like in this case, in a movie that he's directed. But yeah, like he's done a lot of Robert Redford movies. So Three Days of the Condor and Out of Africa and Havana. Um, mm-hmm. um, what else? The Electric Horseman, and uh, probably the one the movie that affected me the most growing up in the eighties and nineties was The Firm. I did see Sabrina, but yeah, the I firm saw was, The Firm. The Firm was times. a good movie, it and is Sabrina, a good movie, yeah, yeah, Sabrina was an am you know a remake movie. I did not yeah. see Random Hearts, his other Harrison Ford movie. Um, but yeah, Sidney Pollack. Uh, but yeah, I knew him mostly from in more recent years from. Um, Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut, and then also, um, what was it, Michael Clayton? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives. Um, that's right, that's right. Which, yeah. which Ben Stiller show parody. <laughs> when they were the Universal Monsters. Yes, yes. So, But yeah, so interesting career because he was a very well-regarded director, 
But then not only did he sometimes act in his own stuff, like he's in Tootsie as Michael's agent, but he was just a, you know, respected actor who very notable directors would cast in their films. So, so if, uh, yeah, he plays the agent, uh, George, in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then we also have uh, Jessica Lange, who won an Oscar for this film. And uh, an impressive cast, including Terry Garr, who had- But a lot of people surprised you here, huh? Because there's a lot of people in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, well, I knew, the only one I really knew was Charles Durning. Okay, interesting. Um, Yeah, well, because I'm all about Charles Durning's farm. (laughs) You're like you. (laughs) You're like, I've got a fan site for Charles Durning, And uh, did I know Dabney Coleman was in it? I certainly didn't know that Commandant Lassard or Punky Brewster's dad was in this movie. No idea. And this was Gina Davis's first film role um, mm-hmm. and did not know Bill Murray was in it. But then also Bill Murray goes uncredited uh, because he wanted to be because he was Bill Murray and he thought he was doing it for the bit. Um, Even though he has a fairly big role in the film. Yes. He does. The one that was uh, due to which I was reading fun facts about this movie online. Uh, Elaine May uh, did a rewrite on this, created that character for Bill Murray. Bill Murray improvised most of his lines reportedly. And also she did most of Terry Garr's character, Sandy's dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. Terry Garr had been acting for like 25 years previous to this movie. She'd been around a long time. Um, also, it's, I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, but has like kids of the eighties, it's it, one of the things I remember is like Terry Garr and Dabney Coleman were like big presences, especially Dabney Coleman, who was just in a lot, like mm-hmm. in the eighties. In the so like even in the nineties, he worked, he was in hit movies in the nineties. But in the 80s, it was like he had large roles in a lot of things. So it's just an, an interesting time as far as like uh, it was Dabney, it was Dabney's era. <laughs> we were just living in well, it. Well, I knew him in the 80s, mostly uh, movies that came after this one, War Games and Cloak and Dagger yep. and, Dra- mm-hmm. and Dragnet. War but, Games um, and Cloak and Dagger is the double feature I saw at the New Beverly a few years ago, a Dabney double. Was this, I was going to say it was the double doubling up on the Dabney there. That's mm-hmm, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. I don't know that I knew him from much else because I never had seen nine to five, but yeah, Dragon. I saw nine to five when I was a little kid as well. Yeah. When your parents took you to see Poltergeist, did they just leave you in the theater alone and go see something no, else? No, they- no, no, <laughs> no. Because you know, as we've joked about, uh, my dad never seemed like that excited about anything, but my mom was excited about everything and, and she was excited about horror stuff. So your mom was in horror movies. So yeah. Yeah, she uh, was. Yes. Okay. So Tootsie, Tootsie has a lot of, okay, so we're looking at Tootsie now, 40 years later, through the lens mm-hmm. of 2022. It's a very interesting movie. It has uh, some uh, progressive elements to it that I think still hold up today, and then some mm-hmm. things that don't. Right. Uh, and that's But there's that... a much worse version of this movie from 1982 say, that this is not, thankfully. <laughs> like, yes. There's, there's, there's a much definitely worse things that sitcom version of this called Work It yes. uh, <laughs> that we can also talk about. In the sense that, okay, so if we're taking the worst elements of Work It, which is A, playing women in drag for comedy, and B, the men who dress up like women are regarded as smarter and more competent than the actual women they're competing for jobs with. And they're called out as such. It's like, man, we've had idiots in here all day. Thank Thank God you two women have come along and they're really men dressed as women. And so there's a little bit of work at origins here going on. But I will say that one saving grace here, and we should also mention the the elephant in the room being Dustin Hoffman and other people who are working on this movie as far as like the era, Dustin Hoffman himself being called out for 
toxic and uh, sexual uh, misconduct uh, behavior in the past few years as well. And a lot of people saying that this was sort of a feminist movie for the time made by a bunch of sexist men, like uh, mm -hmm. a bunch of the cast has already mentioned that. And uh, character-wise though, story-wise, the fact that Michael Dorsey is an out-of-work actor and as a man is so argumentative and hard to work with that nobody wants to hire him, which is something that women get all the time, which is that if a woman has an opinion or has a strong stance on something, she's a bitch and is labeled as such and won't be worked with. He is actually that version, but as a man. But when he becomes a woman, it's only his confidence as a man and his privilege as a man previous to dressing up in drag that allows him to feel like he has the power to change lines or to fly in the face of people who are giving him, who are his superiors, his bosses and so forth. Right. Whereas women feel like they don't have that power. And so he creates this very powerful female character because of his experience as a man. And so it's sort of like he's inspiring women, but also it's like, he's not, I don't know. It's not quite there. This movie isn't quite there with the message. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Where it's no, no, you know, I, I get it. Yeah. It's like, again, it's like at the time, very progressive. There's a lot of things about this movie that were fairly progressive at the time, but of course, you know, we're going to look at, at through a modern lens, but it's like also what you're saying about the, like, uh, you know, the, the, the best woman for a job is a man. It, it is, it's not doing that even though it's sort of doing that, like, like even with the whole, cause the whole thing with the part is that Terry Gar's character, Sandy, she's going to audition for it. And first there's the whole thing where she's not acting tough enough. He's so hard on her, like getting her to be tougher. Um, but it is couching him saying, there's a lot of women who'd be great for this. So it's not like he's saying like, no woman could do this part. And also the fact that she doesn't even get to audition. Like they visit, they see her and they're like, you're not right for the part. There's so an interesting thing in this movie too, about uh, homely, ugly women, which is, mm -hmm. and, and if you've, one thing I have heard Dustin Hoffman, I, I haven't seen the movie until now, but I have mm -hmm. heard him talk about the movie over the years and he gets dead serious. He gets teary eyed. He mm -hmm. treats this movie. He said it many times as a drama. And a big part of it is his own realization. This is what he claims as far as like when he's in drag, he considers himself to be an unattractive woman and how doing this role made him realize how little attention he has paid over his own years to unattractive women in his life at parties, at events in, in life mm -hmm. and how they feel disregarded and how it's opened his eyes to that. And so there's an element of that in this movie as well, where there are ugly jokes where, you know, people are people operating the cameras in the production booth are sort of like pull back, don't get a close up, you know, um, stuff like that about what Dustin Hoffman, what Michael looks like dressed up like Dorothy. Um, right, and right, so right. Th there's an element of that where, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In, and uh, it's sort of juxtaposed with. Uh, Jessica Lange's uh, beautiful Julie and sort of basically the idea that 
she doesn't feel like she has any agency at all as, and is only sort of there for her looks. I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting thing they play with and it, nothing, and again, like you said, there is a much worse movie, 1982 movie, <laughs> that right, could have right. been done here. I feel right. like for the era, considering that some of the movies that also came out during this time, uh, this is very, uh, I, I got nervous for this movie, Eric, mm-hmm. when you mentioned it. I was like, oh no, Tootsie. Like, right, no, no, I up? wondered, I wondered what it would be like. I knew it wouldn't be like, because I, I knew the movie still well regarded, so I knew it wasn't going to be like a, like a revenge of the nerds thing or well, something. I, I, I get like, it. <laughs> I understand that. But also the one thing that made me um, question that and mm-hmm. saying like, you know what, maybe it's not as bad being, even though it's 40 years old, maybe it actually it handles things with a little bit of tact and taste is the fact that, but we mentioned last week, there's a, the musical is going on in LA yes. right now. So yeah. it's not, it's, if the, they can do a stage musical of it in, in this year. Uh, which, yeah, and, which yeah. was like uh, um, a uh, Tony nominated musical like two years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like even because because the arc in the movie, you know, is obviously like, you know, he has he kind of articulates at the end, but it's like, you know, that he, there is a shit, there's shitty things about him. He's a great actor, but, you know, basically him being told by Cindy Pollack that you're, you're an asshole. No one wants to work with you. But also like we see, at his birthday party where he's going over to every woman he thinks is attractive and being like, yep, are you yep. an actress and being like hitting on them? Um, and that when he is in drag, there's not the like sticky, like while he's falling for Jessica Lang, the movie's not about him. Like being like, I'm going to get in with the ladies. Like, you know, they do the little bit of like the fact that Gina Davis walks around in her underwear and he's like, you know, trying for a to- second. I thought we were only ever going to see her in her underwear. Because <laughs> right, right. uh, two scenes go by and it's just her scantily clad. Um, um I wanted to mention, by the way, uh, did you catch a um <laughs> a we enjoy uh podcast all-star in the party scene uh at the beginning, his birthday party, the second woman he hits on the one that he's bummed leaves with another guy is oh, Christine Eversall. Um, oh, of, okay, par- okay. of of uh, uh my girl too uh we talked about her and she's also plays lucia ball in licorice pizza rec- recent recommendation of mine uh so this is a christine eversall podcast uh, appreciation i feel uh, like this movie holds up better than licorice pizza <laughs> 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 okay so um uh it, the, the other funny thing about tootsie is that it does give us the classic men in drag comedy beats including the man falling in love with, you know, which goes, that goes back to some like a hot, that goes, yes, that's in yes. every, that, that always happened in the eighties. That was huge. Like uh tango and cash dressed up like women. Those uh, buddies, of course. Uh, uh, um, outrageous. Well, no, no. Uh, Armed and dangerous. Eugene mm-hmm, Levy mm-hmm. and John Candy dressed up. And there was always, always for a laugh, someone who didn't realize it was men in drag, who was instantly in love with them. Uh, just instantly has Gaga eyes. So this movie even has that, and yet it's also played a little bit better and more, a little more tenderly than <laughs> the other movies. So this movie has the cliches, but it, it, it still is sort of expounds and expands upon them in a way that makes it work for a little more of a thoughtful cerebral movie than what we get with just sort of outright uh, sticky comedy. Um, yeah, and it's funny because, um, you know, the... the <laughs> Yeah, obviously, like everything is so different today, and like today we have such a different, uh, uh, still, un- you know, still unfortunately like off debated, but like there's a much more understanding and nuance to like, you know, both people in drag, but obviously, and then there's all trans people thing and all these things. This movie is not about. It was just being like he's he's dressing like a woman, but it wasn't doing it like you said, like in the much more sticky way of a lot of things at the time, and also 
to the movie's credit, especially because it's 40 years old, is like the closest we get to like you is Durning's character who is portrayed to be old fashioned and like, I, you know, hey, I'm all for women, but they shouldn't be trying to get every, you know, it's like his, his character is portrayed to be like an old fashioned, not with the times guy. And then it's funny when you mentioning Bill Murray improving most of his dialogue, which I kind of figured he has like one of the only like, okay, yeah, that line today wouldn't really fly, which is when uh, he's like, yeah, it's just for the money. Why is, why is Hoffman's character doing this? He's like, it's just for the money, right? It's not so you can wear this outfit, which is like the one like, you know, that would be gross. Like if you wanted to wear this dress for, for your own pleasure or satisfaction, that would be disgusting. Uh, but luckily this movie is not filled with that, which I think a lot of other movies of that era might have been. It's like, it's, it's, it's a pretty small part of it. You know? and, and it's funny because Charles Durning uh, on his uh, beautiful farm, Yes. Uh, even said, <laughs> we even do love that like, farm. He's like, I'm an old fashioned guy. He's like, the bulls were this, and the cows are that, and the roosters are this, and the chickens are that. Whatever. Like, so men are men, women are women. But then he also says, like, you you just were what you were, which felt like a a really much better evergreen blanket statement for like uh, gender politics. Like, you are what you are. Like, not like <laughs> assigned, but like whatever you feel. Uh, that's not what that's not what he meant, but that's what I like to take it as. Um, so let's start off this movie, which is like, it starts with some smooth jazz, which is a big part of this film as well. Uh, and then we've got uh, Michael Dorsey, Master of Disguise, The Deadly Art of Illusion, putting on all of this sort of like different gear for auditions. And it's going back and forth between him being sort of inspirational and insightful in an acting class as their, I guess their teacher, their mentor, yeah, or just yeah, yeah. like, he's, he's, just he's like a, a leader of the class. And, I think, and he's an acting teacher, yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, but then also going out for all these different auditions where he's either too old, too young, too too tall or whatever. Uh, well, so Ho- Hoffman uh, willing to be in on the fact that he's a very small guy. So there's like the whole thing where he's like, I'm wearing lifts. Like, you know, the fact that his, his, there's his a character. I do wonder, I do wonder how much of uh, Gene Cousineau from Barry is in this. No, no, there's, there's <laughs> definitely some Gene. Uh, this is proto Gene. Also, it tells you pretty upfront that he's like at least semi-method uh, in a in a subtle way, which I appreciated, which is the part where he's auditioning for like a tough guy and he's talking in that voice when they're just giving him when he's like, oh, you want me to stand over here? Like he's like doing that voice before he's reading the part. Uh, so we get that, which is both going to help inform you on the fact that he could be Dorothy, but also the fact that maybe people think he's an asshole who's like too into himself. Yeah. Once it came out that he was difficult to work with and no one would hire him, it was like, oh, this is super Gene Cousineau. Um, but, yes, you know, yes. but also like really effective as a teacher, like inspiring and like uh, the best work is like, and it's one of those things where the, the, the old idiom is that those who can't do teach, but it's like sometimes that is the calling, right? Teaching mm-hmm. is, the, is the actual calling because of your ability to mold and craft and mentor others. So that's sort of his blessing and curse at the beginning of this movie, but he doesn't see the blessing in it, only the curse for out of work, uh, being an out of work actor. So the whole thing is that Bill Murray is his roommate. His name is Jeff, I believe. And he yep. wrote a play and they want to put this play on. So they're trying to raise money, which is why he goes to this audition in the first place. It's only as a lark to raise money to put on Jeff's play. I don't know, in the Catskills, somewhere upstate. And, um, but so that's, he, he, he does this, he gets the role, jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, that was, that's, that's the idea is that mm-hmm. never expected to be like a, a huge sensation, 
I have no idea how long this movie takes. Um, and I'll ask you this a little bit later on about the montage sequence. Um, I have questions about that. But so we basically... It also feels like it has to be at least a year, right? Because then they want to up like, the contract. So I feel like... Yeah. It's crazy because it does feel like a year, but also like... It also could be three weeks, but also, but then that makes the montage like a dream sequence. Yeah, I think we have to go with the year, but I agree with you that... It doesn't feel like a year, even though I think we're supposed to feel like it can't feel like a year because they keep doing it's the next day. It's the next day. And then honestly, Eric, he keeps making dinner dates with Sandy, played by Terry Gar. (laughs) Yes. He's really getting Bill Pullman here. (laughs) Poor Terry Gar. Bill Pullman here, but also kind of (laughs) like. Who's a perfectly attractive, likable person. (laughs) Right. And the fact that like he sleeps with her as a way to like cover up, just like trying on her clothes is like, I want you. And then they, you know, like, right. Right. (laughs) But, but, uh, but then even at the end, Julie is like, these last few weeks have meant the so much to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, I don't think it's a year. It, it, it feels like a year, but also I feel like it could be a month because um, uh, it makes the whole TV guide and New York Magazine, People Magazine thing pretty weird. Oh, I mean, like amazing, like every cover possible. Cosmo, like just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like I have questions about the timeline of this movie based on the dialogue and based yes. on like the Sandy situation. Um, but yeah, uh, this was an era back in the 90s and there's a real reason why the 70s and 80s were the heyday for serial killers as well uh (laughs) uh, pre-internet and during this time when the lead poisoning of the 40s 50s and 60s was finally grabbing a hold of adult brains and making people go crazy is the fact that this was an era you could just go into a room and say hey my name's ralph and nobody would check like I am this person and there is no way to do background checks on me or find out if I'm real. Uh, You could leave your family and move five miles away and no one would ever find you. Uh, This was just a time when Michael Dorsey could become Dorothy Michaels. Is that the the, the, the flip on the name? The switch Um, switch back. Yeah. And no one would ever, ever follow up on this (laughs) as far as like also acting credits. I don't know what was on that resume. I don't think they, they say that when, she Dorothy shows up doesn't have resume with her but I also want to know even though it'd be more complicated now I'm like how did this paperwork how did he go? get paid yeah yeah paid? <laughs> I know that like the, they were using like you know uh, Sidney Pollock's agent was like being listed as Dorothy's agent but still there need to be like social security number and like all this no yeah you do anymore. have to fill out HR even though it was the 80s <laughs> right, right wasn't that much of the wild wild west anyway um Sandy is also, uh, I mentioned that Elaine May wrote a lot of the dialogue, but also Terry Garr. A lot of people were, were sort of talked into this movie. Jessica Lange was, Terry Garr was, Sidney Pollock was, even though he was the director, uh, into actually acting into the movie. Uh, Terry Garr also improvised some stuff, including the trapped in the bathroom for a half hour scene. <laughs> so that was her whole bit. Um, very fun, very likable, uh, was torn at the beginning i didn't know how the movie ended ended so yes. i was like does he is it that some kind of wonderful situation where he winds up right where the really friend yeah Sandy. yeah i didn't remember that either how it ended so i was curious about that too especially because 
uh, no shade on Jessica, the great Jessica Lang, but I love Terry Gar. Like Terry Gar was a very comforting presence in my youth, uh, you know, mostly because of Miss Mar- Miss Miss Mom, uh, but also another movie that dealt with <laughs> gender Mom, you, you really want to say Miss Marvel because it's coming out. But I yeah, do, uh, uh, Mister Mom, hours. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mister Mom, uh, but um, and also I guess Close Encounters, which you know I would have just seen on TV. And Young lot. Frankenstein, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Young Frankenstein, yeah. So um, did you also uh, read that um, the funny thing of that they they wrote the agent for Dabney Coleman, but then Dustin Hoffman's like, Sydney, you should play this part. But then they didn't want to screw over Dabney. So they they gave him a different part. <laughs> so he played the director instead. Good. I'm glad that they didn't screw yes. over Dabney because he's out there double Dabneying for everyone during double yeah, features. Yeah. Um, the, so then it gets to the point where Sandy's going in for this audition Um she is just sent out of the room is told that she's not even right for it. And then, uh, then we get the meeting with the agent where he says, you're unlikable. No one's going to work with you anywhere. And then cut to, we don't even need the like initial putting on the makeup and wig. Yeah. There's way less like, most of the it's, it's funny that it's like, it, I both, it's, it's, it's funny that how easily he does it or decides to do it. But I also admire it because usually there's a lot more of a contrivance of the like, wait a minute like there's like usually like a big setup when a character decides to do something like this it was a great cut too it was a great yeah it was a great uh just instant like walking down the the busy new york street uh dressed and and because the opening montage again also sets the stage of him like putting on his own makeup for all these different roles and stuff so it's like we don't don't need to see the first tootsieing because he's he's brian brown deadly art of illusion (laughs) that's right uh okay and then it's Again, this is all just sort of a, a, a bit, a ruse, a goof to raise this $8,000 to put on Jeff's play. And uh, from the get-go, Michael has the confidence of a man on a set. Uh, even though he's just auditioning uh, even and dressed like a woman, uh, sticks it right to the director almost immediately. You know, like, right. you know, uh, and it's something that... Uh, you know, rings enough bells that gets uh, Dorothy an audition. And then basically from there, still changing the lines and dialogue and so forth. Um, and basically nails the role um, and gets this part as, what is it? The, I can't remember the actual character name. Uh, Emily. Oh, I think Emily. Yeah. Uh, and also really uh, impresses um, the producer. Emily Kimberly. Who, yeah. Uh, Rita, who is played by, Doris Bullock, who was just a very familiar face as like a character actress. And I, I looked at what she was in and she was in like Batteries Not Included and Naked Gun to 33 and a Third. And I was like, yeah, she's just one of those people I recognize from stuff uh, back then. Um, also, you know, this is a daytime soap uh, and it's the 1980s, which is kind of the heyday for daytime soaps. Mm-hmm. Like we're in like the you know General Hospital being like a mega event show. Uh, Dustin Hoffman apparently like shadowed the set of the General Hospital to research this. Um, but also it's funny that George Gaines's character feels very true to life as far as like there is like these older actors on these soaps that have been there forever. It's just in the 80s, he's only been there for 20 years because, you know, we could keep going with these actors who stick around for decades on these shows. Um, and, you know, soaps notoriously move really fast and a lot of, you know, actors in this, this case, it's like he's old and not good anymore and he's using uh, cue cards left and right. Now, Matt, I will also say my other my other uh, quibble with this movie is that this apparently is a soap opera with only four lead actors um, where I know day- daytime soaps have giant casts and they certainly wouldn't have 
only George Gaines, even if he's the patriarch who gets to kiss all the ladies, they'd have a hunky, hunky young doctors on this show. Uh, I, but we I, never see yeah, that. <laughs> I, I feel like while the timeline confuses me, I, I am perfectly fine accepting You're that there are camera, just scenes of, there, yeah, they're yeah. just scenes of shows we don't see. And also because yes. Dorothy's given the female dressing room, we don't see that all the, the young hot studs right, that right. are on this show. Um, who uh, George Gaines bullshit. also kisses. We just don't know that. All right. uh, well, that's everyone. <laughs> we should have gotten okay. <laughs> So uh, then we get... I'm sort very, of like, very excited. <laughs> very excited. What a legend. Hey, our second episode of this podcast. When's our Police Academy watch? Oh, geez. I'll have to decide. Okay, so... That one then, we're going to do every episode of every TV show, though. There's little gags here and there as far as, like, that come with this territory of, like, uh, you know, uh, Michael basically learning, like, how hard it is to be a woman and have to put on makeup and have to, like, be presentable in a certain way and have to find different outfits for everything and different clothing. And so uh, over the course of the movie becomes a little more uh, in tune and astute when it comes to that. Like, I don't like that dress. It makes me look like this. Like, very hyper aware of... Uh, his appearance though in a way that he never had to before not just because he's trying to pass as a woman but also just like gets caught up in the basically the the distorted image that so many women have of themselves yeah you know because of you know the comparisons that are made in 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 the media uh so we get little gags here and there about that as far as like his face he now has a favorite outfit or he likes this this look on him um and it mixed uh, with bounces being, off with Jeff uh, a little bit with that too. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, played for comedy and gags, but also, you know, the movie rides this fine line because then there's like the empathy side of it where he's saying to Jeff, like how expensive it feels to mm-hmm. be a woman yeah. and not, and, and not in a like shitty way, not in a like, Oh, they spend this money. They don't need more feeling like he feels the pressure now. Well, it's that a, you know, he, yeah, yeah. So he kind of brings up the pink tax, right. Where it's like, not only do female products cost more than male products, uh, but also they have to buy so much more and spend so much money on these different, you know, things for mm-hmm. um, health and beauty that men don't, uh, need to or don't care to do or aren't expected to do so uh where i always think of that like uh how much more it costs a woman just to go out and do an event and do something than it does a man uh so he's learning that as well um then uh comes the scene where he basically has sex with sandy just to cover up the fact that he's living a life as a as a as dorothy the actress on a soap opera and but then even then it's super cash and it's never like no one's really falling for anyone and she's super guarded about it anyway. Yes. And it gets to the point where after so many like dinners that he's blown off halfway through this movie, I'm like, okay, they're not planting the seed with Sandy deep enough. I mean, he did, <laughs> but, but then she's off camera for a long the, time. She's, she leaves the movie for too long for him yeah. to like come around to Sandy in the end. Uh, yes. It just felt like, She's in the movie so much in the first act that you kind of expect that. That's just um, where these kind of movies go. But yeah, they really do in earnest make Julie the love interest, which I will say I do not buy her accepting his apology at the end. There are just some (laughs) sort of like, nope, get lost, creep. I'm just moving on, not giving you another chance. The end of that movie, the the very end, not the scene where he like takes off the wig on camera. 
the very end when he just finds her on the street and is like, hey, give me another chance. I'm Michael. Um, and basically gives the tagline of the movie, which is I learned to be a better man as a woman. Yeah. Um, reminds me of because it's a movie I didn't I rewatched not too long ago. Sea of Love. I think a lot of old movies just didn't know how to end right before the credits. So they just had the guy find the girl on the street. Sure. And, and said, <laughs> hey, remember when I did all these terrible things to you? We're in Sea of Love's case, which is like, think you were a murderer and draw my gun on you several times. Uh, and they're just like, and the woman just like basically accepts her apology. I It just feels like such uh, quick wrap up horse shit, uh, especially here. This was well, a full betrayal. I didn't buy it at yeah. all. I, I, well, I, I guess my my light buying it. I guess I mean I mean I, I buy it as like, much as that it's a movie. Right, right, right. But like, um, I will say, but at least the movie kind of ends interestingly. I'd say still a bit ambiguous because they don't even kiss. Like there is not the promise that they are a couple or anything. Yeah. I, like, no, I understand like what you're saying. She, yeah. she, so she's like, you know, letting him like walk with her, but it doesn't quite do the like full romantic comedy ending. I expected like, you know, it's like, you know, they, they, they don't have like, you know, the, 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 the huge kiss swelling music. They're just like walking down the street, talking to each other. Um, and, and also it's like, he's not like back on the soap or anything. Like, so it's, it, it isn't kind of a quiet ending, even though yes, there's the version where she's like, screw you. I'm never talking to you again. Uh, at least it doesn't kind of go all the way on the flip side. Like where, you know, we're hundred percent sure everything is great in Michael's life. Now cut to them getting married or with the dad's ring. That he there proposed. is a post credit <laughs> scene. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I jumped all the way to the end, but yeah. So yeah, basically Tootsie mania sort of takes off, even though the character is not named Tootsie, but they have the go Tootsie <laughs> go song. They do. That, that is uh, not quite, my 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 Mitchell, but it's, it's a weird thing to hear in 2022. It's it's something that movies used to do. They used to have theme songs. Uh, well, I love it. every 80s movie had a theme song. Uh, and Andy Warhol makes a surprise celebrity cameo. Yes. Um, again, dream sequence, or was it a year? Everything uh, I see on screen points to it only being like maybe a month, but uh, a busy this, this busy uh, month pop culture phenomenon tootsie mania running wild uh all these magazine covers including what would become the poster which is like tootsie with the star spangled background yeah, yeah. Um, um tootsie running for office i don't know how long did this <laughs> last i don't know uh before that we get the the, er, the I, I can't remember if it's the same montage maybe it's kind of the lead-in or earlier which is like people watching you know, Dorothy on the show and getting mm -hmm. really invested. And uh, I was impressed in 1982. Of course, it was Sony uh, product, but the the woman who's hiding the very small TV in her desk drawer. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that you could get a TV that a colored TV that small in 1982. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, and the montage doesn't come till a bit later, but that Tootsie song was there. Uh, basically, yes, we, because we get the Tootsie song twice. You're right. Yeah. So basically at this point, um, He's lying to Sandy, saying he's sick because he wants to hang out with Julie. He's doing all these things, uh, putting it off. He finally gets introduced to uh, Julie's dad. And basically, um, on the set, standing up to changing things going on, uh, see, he sees uh, Dabney Coleman's character, Ron, who's the director, kissing Gina Davis. He's growing more and more infatuated with Julie. 
And then basically Julie invites him over to run lines. And this is one of the times he cancels on. Actually, this is the time he doesn't cancel on Sandy, but he winds up being there three hours late. late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, speaking to him becoming a better man as a woman, which Blake Edwards also did with the movie switch, by the way, where (laughs) the character just became Ellen Barkin um, uh, instead of dressing up like a woman. Right. Right. uh, Is when like, he's late to Sandy and she's saying she's sorry. And he says, why are you apologizing to me when I was three hours late? Right. Like that's, I think that's an important line. Like that's something that like uh, is, is still, something that probably women feel the need to do now whereas and mm-hmm. when a man is in the wrong um and showing yeah his his gradual growth even as he's being shitty to sandy and showing up hours late right uh, he's right, more exactly. aware of it now <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah so we find out julie has a a 14 month old daughter named amy and um but yeah basically he's just get uh, getting more and more sprung on julie to the point where at a party uh, an actual party where he attends as Michael Dorsey, he tries to line the exact, I was very ballsy, by the way, of him to try the exact word for word. He didn't paraphrase it <laughs> at all. Nope. Uh, I didn't know what he was trying to do with that. Like maybe, he, maybe he was trying to reveal himself in a way where Julie would be like, what Dorothy, is that you? You know, yeah. but then she throws a drink all over him and um, doesn't work. And um then, you know, back to the soap where Dorothy's changing lines and refusing to tell an abused, uh, basically, wife and mother uh, certain things and wants her to fight back against her husband and leave him. Uh, throwing a oh, yeah. vase against throwing the Throwing the vase, yes, yes. Uh, going big. Uh, actually, I wanted to, But that was the big moment, and that's what leads into the montage, but yeah. Um, but I was just going to say that the um, uh, when we find out that she has a kid... Um, you know, I think it's a, a, a sign of 1982 times that it's like a notable little beat of him being like, oh, you're divorced. And she's like, no, I've never been married. That it's like, you know, it would stand out more that she like never, you know, she had a kid never having been married. You know, um, it is interesting. I would love to have learned a little bit more about Julie in this movie, considering her father was so old fashioned and did sort of have these antiquated ideas. And like, what did he think of? What do you think of his granddaughter? And I mean, they went to visit him on the farm, obviously, but mm-hmm. like, who was the father and what was the deal? And, you know, this was, you know, her father was somebody who married his high school sweetheart. Only had photos taken of him twice in his life. I know. Well, it steals <laughs> his soul. Okay. Two slivers of the All soul. Right. And then, uh, yeah, so basically, let's see, what are we doing? Um, well, we're, we're oh, so basically, he, he fakes an entire thing to go away with uh, Julie for the weekend mm-hmm. and for the yeah, holidays just, again, in the vague passage of time, <laughs> you can, you can vanish at this time. There's no social media. He could just say, Hey, I'll talk to you, you know, uh, <laughs> Sandy. Uh, I'll see you. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. That's if it. If I'm not dead, <laughs> if I'm not dead. And you know, he's, he's rushing this courtship with Julie because he says it his contract. He's like, I'll never see her after two weeks In two weeks. I won't see her anymore. My contract's up. What am I going to do? Again, passage of time. I don't know what this is. Um, but yeah, so then goes to the farm, has a um, basically an interesting interaction with Julie's baby, Amy, 
were like hugging it, feeling very sort of like emotional about it, but then unable to take care of Amy later on in the movie in the same way. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, as the thing of, uh, I did like the touch of uh, uh, Starks talking to the baby just in the Dorothy voice, but then as time goes on, drops it uh, and starts speaking in his normal voice. But I also, I want to mention again, this is where we get at the farm. Uh, it might be you playing, which... When it first began, I didn't recognize it. And then I'm like, oh, this is like a giant hit song. Uh, it was nominated. It was one of the 10 Oscar nominations this movie had was for song. But this was like charted this song uh, on the adult contemporary charts. And Matt, I'm 90% sure. Do you remember as strongly as I do? That I'm going to say a- no if it okay. has to do with this song because I don't remember this song. Okay. So. Several years after this, when you and I first knew each other. And we go to this song played when we saw each other from across (laughs) the cafeteria. First time, no. Um, That at the Lowe's 84th Street Theater, pretty much the entire time I lived in New York for those two years, and we would go to that theater almost every weekend, they had adult contemporary music, the same, like, you know, grouping of adult contemporary music would play before movies. Because there's this before there was a pre-show or any of that shit we get now. Yeah, there was no pre-show. Yeah. And I'm 90% sure this was one of the songs. The one I absolutely am certain was one of the songs was Elton John, Your Song. I will always remember hearing Elton John, Your Song every weekend at Lizzie Fort Street. Um, but I believe that uh, It Might Be You by Stephen Bishop was another song that we heard at Lizzie Fort. Jesus Christopher every- Christ, <laughs> your memory. It's like a steel trap. I have but no I'm, I'm recollection. Saying, we would hear these songs all I the time. Have no <laughs> recollection of the songs that fucking played before the movies at Lowe's. I'm saying, place. but it was the same songs every week. I don't care like- if it was the same songs. I don't care if it was David Hasselhoff's Limbo Dance over and over again. I was not going to remember. <laughs> you were like, I it was not listening to this. The only thing I remember song-wise about uh, Lowe's 84th was us making our, each other laugh by just imagining Honky Tonk Man yes. singing his song in the theater and then somehow all the employees yes. joining in on the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> I, I recall that as well. But that uh, only happened once. We would hear your song by Elton John every single time. Right, but but <laughs> you understand to me now the only song that really ever played at Lowe's 84th was the Honky Tonk Man's entrance theme. Sure, yes. <laughs> which never happened. Which never happened, but it but did in our, in our joke. Um, okay. <laughs> That's my aside about It Might Be You being from this. I had no idea that that song was from this movie, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then there was sort of the 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 uh, the uh, uh, body titillating uh, noises offness of them having to share a bed and like yeah. the fact that he brought along a wig with curlers in it already to put on his yes. head. Um, That's forward thinking, yeah. And, you know, falling in love and and he's falling in love with her. And then uh, Charles Durning, it doesn't, it works and it doesn't. Uh, the, the, the marriage proposal is a crazy thing. Yes. Uh, that I'm still willing to let slip, even though it's insane <laughs> for the movie, for somebody who has got no signals at all that Dorothy is interested at all. Like yeah. Dorothy does everything in Dorothy's power to sort of slip out of every situation and uh, is verbally uncomfortable around all of <laughs> right. Charles Durning's courtship. Uh, but so the fact that it's like, marry me, <laughs> like, I don't you know, as old fashioned as he is, I don't think that's how that even worked back in his time. So um, it, and that was like a weird rush part of the movie too, where it's sort of like, I'm take you out to dancing. Like why? What's happening? 
Like, what is why? Why is Dorothy going out dancing? It's one thing for Julie to say, "My father's coming into town." He really wants to see you. To he also wants to taking Dorothy out, like to paint the town. Right. Like, how is it a date? How did it wind up on a date with? I don't even what is Durning's name, so I don't just keep calling him Charles Durning. Um, uh, Less, that's right, Less. Less yes. Um, as it's a weird part of the movie again it's not also it's also not played as terribly as it could have been um mm-hmm. at all <laughs> that's our our constant caveat about the movie it's like <laughs> um we but yeah we then so then comes the, the worst because tootsie mini is running wild they want to actually re-up the contract and here's the dilemma too where it's like for another five years because this movie's taking place over five years <laughs> A lifetime contract right. uh, like like michael just grows old as like one of the george Gaines veteran actors on the series <laughs> right uh which is weird because there's a point where where um he is in on it like he's talking to george the agent and he's like we could do dorothy this and dorothy that and dorothy serial and dorothy variety right. hour and dorothy playing eleanor roosevelt and then like obviously he doesn't want to uh, get locked into a year again. Uh, slipping me the reason, though. Why doesn't he want it? I mean, I know he just wants to do Jeff's play, but why? I mean, I think that's just it. Like, it's just it's it's a little sudden, but it it just seems to be the realization that like I'll be trapped. Like, you know, I want to do other things, and uh, I'll, I'll be trapped. It's like when it's I, funny because he wants to. He's like Caruso. He wants to come clean. Yeah, he wants to come clean, but then George is also like. I'm going to be brought down by this too because everyone's going to think I was in on it and so on. So I don't know what happened to George at the end of this movie when, oh, yeah. Edward, when he does take off the because wig. Because he and, wasn't and, on it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he was. So who knows what happened? Just George's career is in the like in the gutter. Um, he's like, then, yeah, he's like sitting outside the Russian tea room begging, and <laughs> and then there's the kiss. The uh, Dorothy kisses Julie, which is a, a very progressively written scene. It is, you know, because it's like again, like. <laughs> you know because of her reaction because i'm just saying like 15 years later uh ace ventura is basically like forcing himself to vomit in a toilet you know because he thinks he kissed a man so here it's kind of like nothing huge is made out of the fact that like julie is like oh are you a lesbian uh and then even later like no and her exact one of her exact lines is even uh it's me i'm just not well adjusted enough like she's like on her, like I'm, I'm sorry, I don't feel this way. I wish I did. Is Julie's point of view not the like? Ugh, like Which oh, character yeah. asks Michael if he's gay? I'm trying to remember that because it's funny how he says in what sense. Uh, and I can't remember if it's uh, Murray or Pollock. I'm sure I remember who said. I put that quote, and I also forgot to put who. Uh, <laughs> who One of them it. is uh, the only. Aside from the the Jeff Lang you mentioned, the, the the homophobic line that stands out is less saying basically like I would have punched you if I if you had yes. we had actually kissed. Um, but uh, other than that, it's actually not played as like such a huge deal as far as like Dorothy is is possibly a lesbian, right? Or is right, Michael right. gay? I just want to know. Uh, it wasn't like are you gay? Because I'm done with you. It's like, hey, are you gay? Is this a thing? Yeah, it feels like uh, probably a reflection of the fact that this is a movie made by, uh, uh, even if no matter uh, how shitty they might have been in their everyday life, a fairly progressive people 
set in the New York theater scene, which is going to be fairly progressive, all things considered. Uh, and just, yeah, like the fact that it's like, yeah, these characters, like, yeah, especially her, like the fact that they do not have Jessica Lange's character in any way be like grossed out or freaked out. It's more just a like, I'm sorry, I'm not into this. Like, you know, is her reaction. And then Sa- uh, Sandy uh, says, are you gay? Because yeah. uh, because of the thing, <laughs> getting it, basically getting a box of chocolates from Les. Uh, yeah. She's like, okay. are you gay? Um, then... Um, that's right. It is Sandy. It's Sandy. Then it's the whole thing with Julie. And this is sort of like part of the, it takes a man dressed as a woman to get a woman to feel more empowered because Julie's like, you taught me to stand up for myself. You taught me to stop hiding all these things where uh, you do wish that the sort of the, the messaging and the, the teachable moments in this movie could have come about in a different manner. It's one thing for him to become a better person. It's another for like, he's the catalyst for inspiration in women uh which is a, a little a little uh, on shaky ground um but then the the uh the reveal the twist reveal because they set it up earlier in the movie like checkoffs live going live yeah right, checkoffs but... <laughs> is like our tapes ruined we're gonna have to shoot these scenes or do it live tomorrow so by the right. end they do have to do it live and this is when michael Pause, uh, for one second i just want to say that yeah also it's funny like a, a very of the era moment um part part um feeling misogynist part feeling sexual liberated it's a weird mixture is when he tells george the agent that my friend sandy thinks i'm gay he goes sleep with her and then he goes i already did but it's just like like you know she'll sleep with you like it's like his assumption that like oh you'll prove you're not gay by having your female friend sleep with you you know it's like okay sure and that's just something you can make happen because right right there's no yeah there's she will not have a say on that yeah um the reveal is very funny this that's sort of um that he writes it into the soap opera we should do soap dish at some point well oh yeah i don't know when but um it is funny because it does feel like something that you would see on a soap opera Mm -hmm. yet it's happening in real life there's a fun so there's a there is a cool meta element i think that whole reveal works it does Um, and i actually laughed quite a bit at charles durning is eating some sort of like breakfast sandwich and he does a funny little bit of a business of dropping the sandwich on his plate, but still bringing his hands to his mouth. Like he hasn't noticed he dropped his sandwich and it made me chuckle. <laughs> and Durning was the master of the sandwich, uh, the yes. sandwich gag. Um, <laughs> ah, you want me to do the drop the sandwich? Uh, sure. And uh, classic Dern. And then uh, Julie punches uh, Michael in the stomach. And Bill Murray has a very funny, that is one nutty hospital punchline to that it is a nutty hospital it is yes and uh yeah at that point michael's out he's revealed himself to julie it's only up to julie to accept him at the end during that weird scene that felt like i was like is this a reshoot all those scenes feel like reshoots when they're not um but yeah to your point like yeah they didn't kiss they did they never i mean the only kiss was the awkward one between dorothy and julie so um their uh future is TBD. Yeah, uh, we I mean, don't it's, know like, it's, it's funny. I uh, on one hand, I, I'm curious about the specifics. We don't get like we mentioned. What happened? Was there fallout for George? Was it instantaneous that you're fired from the soap? Because wouldn't people be excited by the plot twist? Um, you know, and all that. But even though we don't get the specifics, we do see that him and Sandy are going to do that play. You know, Jeff's mm-hmm. play is happening. 
uh and that yeah and that you know he has this reconciliation with with julie but it doesn't end in a kiss so we're we're left to speculate whether this means they will be happily ever after as a romantic couple or perhaps i don't know that's for tootsie too to answer that's for decades tootsie, later uh, legacy yeah tootsie 2049 that introduces not just the new tootsie but also incorporates the old tootsie. legacy sequel yeah. <laughs> funnily enough nev Hoffman campbell has to come is in, coming uh, back two thirds into that movie though what did you yeah. say? I said, funnily enough, Nev Campbell is coming back. For right, right. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, did you enjoy Tootsie? I'm not even really sure. I think I did. I think, yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever seen. It wasn't like RRR, didn't change my life. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I was nervous to watch Tootsie because of the what it was about and having endured the first episode of Work It. Um, oh, right, right. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it was... Uh, a lot better than I thought it would be. Obviously, I didn't think a complete stinker was going to be the second highest grossing movie of 1982 and mm-hmm. get a lot of Oscar nominations. But um, I understand what people would have found funny about this. You know, the, the the moment when he's hailing a cab as Dorothy's voice, but then uses a man's voice to scream and get the cab or, you know, the 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 uh, the, the broader moments of this type of style of this drag comedy uh, were going to get the audience a lot and that's how you get them in the door yeah get them in the door <laughs> yeah. butts and seats and i also laughed, 18 inches <laughs> i laughed uh when he's uh he's like walking around sad through the city right before the ending montage and he shoves over a mime in the park that made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> who amongst us a would bunch not? of mime shovers out here <laughs> right? who hasn't shoved a mime in their time right <laughs> That's right. No, I, I like that. I mean, again, because while I've technically seen this movie, I might as well not have. It's been decades and I was a very wee child. I was going to say, so. like, I, I would count this as you not yeah. seeing the movie. Uh, but I, I liked it. Yeah, I thought I thought it, it was good. It was interesting. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I definitely see uh, why it was a success. And I agree with you that it's like, I, I there is a so much worse version of this and you can find stuff from this era that is way worse. Uh, so even though it's like, yes, we'll have our modern day prism through it. Um, I don't need to do my uh, 20 reasons Tootsie would not hold up in 2022 because guess what? Nothing from 40 years ago is going to 100% hold up under our modern lens. I, I am uh, curious but- about the musical and about what, what they may have rewritten or reshuffled, not just to transfer it to a different medium, but also to update yeah. it. Um, I do know that. it's set... Um, he, he music, it, no no it's a broadway musical that he is gets into not a soap opera and i know that one of the characters is a re- reality star so <laughs> there's your there's your modernized and someone's <laughs> out there snapchatting right on the insta but you know what they still pushing mimes so <laughs> as long as they're still shoving those silent bastards. Yes, now they shove two mimes. You got to up the ante in two Oof, oof. Yeah, I know. The rule of sequels, right? Um, all right. So let's, uh, yeah, let's wrap up the Tootsie Chat here. Uh, next week is going to be The Secret of Nim, mm-hmm. and uh, which has mice and birds and secret <laughs> And it's going to turn out to be chemicals. horribly offensive for yeah. our modern life. Oh, it, it's going to be the... <laughs> This is the one where I'm like, oh, it's it's a it's fine animated family fair, and it's gonna be <laughs> like it's offensive on every level imaginable. <laughs> it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be just the <laughs> most toxic movie you've ever watched in your life. Actually, I mean, I do think there's some toxic sludge in it, but yeah, <laughs> sure, okay. All right. Um, until then, uh, everything is possible, but nothing is real. Uh, 
especially not Michael Dorsey <laughs> and Shockma. 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 Shockma!